0: Thanks, team. Grab a seat. And as you grab a seat, I want you to do this. Let's, let's turn the lights up a little bit. And with that, I want you to say "Hallelujah" for me. Say it. "Hallelujah." You know it means God be praised. And we need everything. It's so, in one more time, alleluia. alleluia. <laughs> I know, it's not camp. But I'll tell you what, that God be praised, that we all sing out together. Because what we actually are doing is we're we're, we're saying together, oh, Jesus is risen. We associate alleluia with the he is risen and he is risen indeed and the Easter stuff and all those things. And and I just, though, think that for many of us, and as we come to our text this morning, which is about Jesus' death and resurrection, it becomes just a little bit passe. Now I don't mean, I know you're gonna say, no it doesn't Dax, I got it, Jesus died for me, but, but, and, 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 and it's important and I know it's important, but, but we start to pass over. Say I know He died for me, now I need to talk about some other things. In fact, I'm kinda of bored coming to church, I feel like we talk about the same thing, Jesus, I already know Jesus died. I know He rose from the dead. It's not like this thing inside me that becomes so deep and amazing and I want to come together and I want to take communion and I want to do stuff all the time because it's so radically life-giving. Instead, it becomes a little bit more... And I think it's how we deal with facts. I think it is. Like if I tell you, oh, it's it's really important, you guys. Do you know that the sun is 93 million miles away from us right now? You go, okay, got it. So What? If I told you, well, it's really important it's not 150 million miles away or we'd all be dead because we wouldn't get enough light. Or if it was only 20 million miles away, we would be toasters. We'd be burned up because the sun would be so hot. Like it's the perfect, so. but once you know that fact, okay, well, the sun is the right distance away. And I go on with my life and my life happens and the sun's up there and I don't really even think about it. So I want to come today, and with a really easy way for you and I to start thinking about why it's so radically amazing that Jesus Christ died for us. What does it mean? For you to treasure in your heart. But in order to do that, you've got to be settled on the Facts. Not just the distant, but actually knowing, and why John, even as we're going to go into it, what the facts. So I'm calling this a matter of fact, because the facts are there. And as you look at the facts, then you say, okay, if I agree with the facts, then the meaning becomes something I treasure in my heart forever. And it gets me through this life. And we'll talk about that. So we'll talk about that at the end of this morning. What this truth, if it's, if it's true, if it's a fact, what it means Okay so I want you to get convinced first. So the first thing and and John's going after this and you want to look at it and get the depth of it. And here it is is the fact that Jesus was dead and buried. You say of course he's dead and buried I'm going to go to sleep now. No. No see what the text is amazing to make sure you know this is an attested known fact that happened. And we can assign the meaning as we go, but let's let's go first and take a look and see. Fact, dead and buried. Okay, John chapter 19, we're looking at verse 38. Here we go. It says, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, Asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and so Pilate gave him permission, and so he came and he took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, it's one of my favorite scenes, night and night came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. And so they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in linen cloths with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. And now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Okay, this is the end of John 19, and this is the whole piece of where they buried him, right? We've looked at him on the cross. We've looked at him say, it's finished. We've looked at the wonder of, of Jesus doing that amazing act. But now he's dead. And John's piece is to make sure you know it's so well attested. It's a fact. You know, like, you can measure how far the sun is from the earth. Joseph of Arimathea, you know, he's in all four gospels. Because he was this very well-known person. It's like saying somebody that you really know. And, and and he's there. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which is their political kind of standing party. He was looking for the kingdom, Luke 23 says. He was a disciple of Jesus. And, but, but really, he was also rich, wealthy. That means he had connections in the community. People knew him. And so he goes and asks for the body of Jesus. It's amazing to me. This is an aside. It's not really what we're talking about this morning. But man, I a little bit would be like Joseph Marathea, who was secretly a disciple of Jesus. He should be openly for Jesus. And then you see at the end of Jesus' life, God using him exactly as God wants to use this man. Because all we know know about him is how he went openly. And everybody knows. He took the body of Jesus and he put it in his tomb. So, but it happened, right? This was, the Roman law was that the body of executed criminals, if they were for sedition, like they were, was handed over to the next of kin, but if they were crucified, they weren't allowed in family tombs. They were stuck in a common grave. If it's stuck in a common grave, you're like, well, did it really happen? And he just went in with a bunch of other people. And But no, 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 we know exactly who took Jesus' body and where the body went. It's like providence. Only John mentions Nicodemus, but Nicodemus, right? Another well-known member of the Sanhedrin. There he is. Stepping out of darkness into the light. So these two wealthy men, they had servants who would carry these spices because seventy-five pounds is a lot to carry. And they took Jesus' body down from the cross, for, prepare it for burial. And so they had myrrh, this fragrant resin. It'd be powdered, and aloes, it'd be powders, right? Aromatic sandalwood. It smells really strong. The idea wasn't they took Jesus' body and they preserved it like a mummy. The idea is they took these strong smelling stuff and wrapped him in it because he would decompose. And what happens when you decompose? It smells bad. I've been around dead bodies that have been out too long in the sun and this was not cold season in Palestine. This was the heat. So they're going to wrap him in these spices so as his body decayed, he wouldn't smell so bad. It would be covered up by aromatic sandalwood, by myrrh. So these strips of linen with the spices on it, and you'd sprinkle the powder on these strips, and then you'd wrap the body. And so we've got them with time with Jesus, knowing he's dead, wrapping his body. And this place, it's probably a garden owned by Joseph of Arimathea, we only, I'm saying probably, but the only place that's mentioned is in the apocryphal gospel of Peter to say where it was. You know, we don't know exactly where it was. But there's only one body there. There's no mistake. There's no mention of the Rolling Stone or, or, or Mary on looking. There's no mention of that. They just want you to see the truth, right? The truth of Pilate, of Nicodemus, of the Sanhedrin, this body and the spices, the cloth, and he's wrapped and multiple people are involved and he's not moved far. He's placed in the tomb by people who knew who he was. He was placed in alone. There's a reason why it was done. He's dead. It really happened, right? It wasn't that he was passed out and somehow he revived it wasn't you know like I don't know in the medicine you always see people especially if they dropped into an icy lake you'd worry that what they really did was all their bodily processes got real low and so you'd slowly rewarm them when they got to the right spot sometimes they woke up amazing resurrection no that's not resurrection this guy's dead That's what you need. You need to have it in your heart and deep in your heart. This is the fact of the matter. He's he's dead. It's not a different man. You know, they really made a mistake and they buried the wrong person. Nicodemus, especially here, as they wrap him and they describe the procedure, it's not that he wasn't a real man. That's really important because one of the thoughts was you know Jesus was really a spirit acting like a man somehow and 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 so he, he he disappeared Jesus is dead bodily dead not breathing wrapped up bodily they were lifting his arms and dropping them right he was killed and they buried him it's finished. This is beyond. It's finished. He's he's buried. It's it's not a question of of you know did they use seventy pounds or seventy five pounds of, of of aloe, how many strips of cloth did they put around him? It's a testimony of it was a real person dying, and then they buried him, and that means he's gone. And so I think of it like like if you've ever lost somebody, I've lost somebody this year. My dad died this year. He's gone. I will not talk to him anymore Till heaven. He's in the ground. His life has left him. He's dead. That's the fact, right? I accept it. I accept it of Jesus. I let it through my grid. It's not just true if I want it to be. It's a matter of fact. The eyewitness account that's true he that for you. He, I want that for you. It's It's sad. It's someone that is amazing and he was awesome and he died. Okay, so not the big picture yet but that, that piece is so important for you and me and so important the attestation that it's a real death of a real person in a, in, in, and they saw him and touched him and put him in the tomb and he's dead. He's dead. And Before we jump and we go because he puts it right next to it is this fact of he's risen. So I want you to see that too and then we'll We'll, we'll interact with them. A fact that he's written risen. So, r- verse one of chapter twenty, and and the original had no breaks. Right, there wasn't this big break. Now, take a break and don't think. Uh, think about this, and then we'll go. No, he they put them like this together because nineteen and twenty just flow right together. So it says there, on the now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb, and so. She she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. They were going toward the tomb and both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there. He did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen cloth but folded up in a place by itself. Okay, same deal, right? I read the whole thing because it's one scene and what are you supposed to get struck by that? And what you're supposed to get struck by are all the details, the facts. It's the first day of the week, which means it's Sunday, right? It's Mary Magdalene. We're not sure what she's going to do, but she's just going to go to the front. Maybe she has flowers she's going to put along the front of the tomb because there's this big stone. She's not going to see Jesus and get in. She's just going to cry. She's mourning. She's not thinking he's risen from the dead. And she sees the stone's gone, the stone that sealed up the tomb. So she ran to Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. We think that's John's self-designation, right? And what does she say? He's risen. No. She says they stole him. Right? They stole him. Those evil Pharisees, those evil Romans, they've taken his body. They're going to throw it in the common grave. He's dead, you see. He's dead. She saw him. He's dead. The body was gone. That's what you're seeing. And the first thought is tomb raiders <laughs> or, or bad people that wanted to take him away. What have they done with him? There's no belief in resurrection, a testimony to an empty tomb. So Peter and John in verse 3 and 4, they head out, right? They're running and you can picture it. And John, I think he must be younger. He lived longer anyway. He made it there first. And he looked in, and he didn't go, and he just looked, and he saw the cloths, You know, the been wrapped around Jesus in the last chapter, the empty tomb, and the cloths are there. The strange tomb raiders, strange kind of moving Jesus, taking off his grave clothes to move just the body. That's weird. And then Peter comes in in verse 6, right? He's out of breath. He looks at John. He just stopped to look in and he just brushes right in and you kind of see it, right? You're supposed to see this happen. But he just ran right in and he looks and he actually goes in and he sees the cluster and then he sees what would be have wrapped around his head, the shroud. And it's, it's not only off, but it's like folded neatly in the corner. These are strange grave robbers. Why in the world would they do that? Why would they have unwrapped him? I mean, it's been three days. They're going to unwrap him. He's going to smell. I know, three days, it's really kind of, as we would think of it, more like two days because how they did time. Jesus died on Friday afternoon. Here it is Sunday morning. But still, have you been around a body that's, you know, day and a half? Two days? At the very least, you're kind of brushing off the flies, right? Okay, so then we get to verse 8. And then it says in verse 8, Then the other disciple who would reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. Believed what? That somebody took him? No. Know this, For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. That's interesting. So then they went back to their homes. So John goes in, he sees and believes. There's something, he believes something. We know their understanding wasn't complete. Verse 9 says that. They didn't yet really get it. But what did he see? Did he get a glimpse of Jesus? No. He saw an empty tomb. And he's believing Jesus is risen. This is this is different than Mary. If we're going to look at the next section, which we'll look at next week, actually just the interaction with Jesus. She doesn't have faith. She doesn't have to believe. She sees him. But John's believing something that's happened based on the facts in front of him that Jesus is gone and the grave cloths have been neatly laid over and they didn't really understand that the scripture said something. They just were interacting with the facts in front of them. He's not dead. That's what the piece is, right? He's not dead. He's alive. Mary's is going to crash in in just a little bit. I've seen him and then Peter's going to crash and Thomas is going to crash and all of them are in the upper room. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. That's the message, right? That's the truth. Jesus, he died. He really died and then now the tomb is really empty and then they're going to see him. Wow. Okay, I know. You say, well, that's the message. That's always the message. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's an incredible message. He was really dead and now he's really alive. So what? Really? It's not an unfamiliar message. I hope you see John's focus in our little text today, bringing you face to face with eyewitness testimony that he was dead and now it's empty. And John's believing cause of that. And we're going to see more cause they're going to actually see Jesus. We read this morning, first Corinthians, all these witnesses who saw him alive. And so, okay, matter of fact, he was dead and he's alive. I guess I still go, okay, I guess, I, okay. He died. He rose. So let's. Face it for a moment, the truth of the death, the burial, the resurrection. It used to be the big fight, you know, the burial, the resurrection. Because back in the day, it was it was kind of the idea of these dead German liberals, and you probably don't know their names, Schleiermacher, guys like that, who who, who all fought against this idea that there could ever be a miracle like a resurrection. People were like, there's no way, God... There's natural laws and orders. They're not people that rise from the dead. So it's all a myth story, and they go into fighting over whether or not Jesus would really rise from the dead. I I don't think that's the argument for us ever. I hope it's not for you. The Bible's pretty clear. The facts are really there. Jesus rose. He rose from the dead. Come on, you guys. That's amazing. Say, he did. He rose from the dead. The problem for us is, I'm not finding people who will argue that. They'll go, okay, he rose from the dead. Okay. And are we having pizza or hamburgers for lunch? So what is the problem, right? Our problem in our day is like, that's really great for you. He rose from the dead. Okay. You know the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Yo, howdy. So, so Jesus, okay, whatever works for you. Sure, he rose. It's no skin off my life. Yeah, that that kind of idea, right? We've become relative in our truth. We care only about sort of practical truth. Well, how does it impact me in this belief in Jesus? Why does it matter? Is it not going to help me navigate icy roads? It's not going to get me more sleep. It's not going to make my life easier, is it? What what? This is what changed the disciples' whole lives. I put a quote in your bulletin. If you want to read it, it's from one of our amazing scholars of the last century. His name is Graham Machin. he says, said this. "This is, "What was it that within a few days, transformed a band of, band of mourners into the spiritual conquerors of the world?" It was not the memory of Jesus' life. It was not the inspiration which came from past contact with Jesus, but it was the message He has risen. That message alone gave the disciples a living Savior, and it alone can give to us a living Savior today. I I so pray you'll see this this morning. And and again, I, I don't mean to just overwhelm you with stuff, but this is the event of our lives. It impacts your life. Why? So you need to see the personal impact, I believe, because that's how our culture works. But it comes from you accepting it's true. It's true. It happened. Again, well, that's the purpose of the text we've just been in. All the details of Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus and the spices they used and how many pounds of spices and where they put them and how they wrapped them in get him in the tomb and then the tomb actually running in and they see it and the stone's gone and they look and he's gone he's gone and his clothes are unwrapped and and then even we're going to keep going and he's going to see how amazing it is that he's alive and he's alive is a fact so what does it mean well for one it means jesus died right he he's he was a man and he was a human and so he stopped living and his bodily organs stopped and his internal life, the spark, the soul, whatever it is left him and he's a, now it's just a, a physical piece of flesh that is dead. And, and then Jesus who's rose from the dead, he's God. Death couldn't hold him. All he claimed is true. He rose. No, nobody rises themselves from the dead or raises them. So you can't, right? Who does that? Nobody. So he, he, all he said is true. He's God. He did it, the matter of fact, but, but take the matter of fact with me just one more step. So, so here, he died. So he's human, right? He's died like my dad died. He died like you're going to die, but he rose. So he's God. Okay. Now flip it just that one statement now that if you really think that's true if you really think he died and you really think he rose from the dead then God because he's God that's what the resurrection says God did what? He died God died so super easy way to think through how amazing it is that Jesus Christ is for you is he died he's God and he died How could God die? It's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's, it's so huge if you put them together. It's, it's, Jesus died as God died. That's the sun going dark. That's the universe stopping. It's not who won the Super Bowl. It's not if it's going to be hot today. It's mind blowing truth. God died for you. He died. Everything about this is his act for you. Every breath, every moment, his victory over death is your victory over death, right? This single thing, God died. And I think, oh well, you know, I'm not good enough or nobody's for me or my life is too hard. Are you kidding? God died for you. He did. This is why we come together. We again try and get our hearts and our minds back in the channel of realizing, you know what? Jesus Christ is for me. Why is that so important? Because he's God and he died for me and he lives. There's. I wanted to share with you one little. This is the 45th question of the Heidelberg Catechism, which was written way back in the day in the 1500s. Protestants, this guy's name Yersinius, and what all these names we don't even know anymore. But this is the question: How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? Yeah, they wanted application too. So what? And, and, I'll just, I'll read you the, first, by his resurrection, he's overcome death so that he might make us share in the righteousness he's won for us by his death. Second, by his power, we too are already now resurrected to new life. Third, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. That's amazing and wonderful. And you know what? I just read it and most of you will be like, yeah, those are a lot of just words. Cool words. But. So let me let let me back up. Let me try and throw just a couple verses that are just about this. If you've accepted the facts, what are the facts? Jesus Christ died and Jesus Christ rose from the dead. God died for you. What does it mean? It means what Philippians says is true, right? I'm going to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through trusting Jesus faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So here I am trusting this is true, that Jesus died and that he rose from the dead is all my goodness forever, all the goodness I'm ever going to need or ever going to have. Full stop. That's what God dying did. And if instead what I put on that plate instead is my puny stuff that I do and I'm a grain of sand, when the universe stopped to do this, and the universe stopped for you, oh my, oh may your heart be softened that Jesus did this, that it's amazing this hope, this life, the second reason was this idea that we have new life now. And we do, it because what happened? That this is true, and I accept the facts. He died and he rose. So what? So now I have what? What do I have that I didn't have before? It's hope. It's hope. Right? It's a living hope, because his promises are so sure, because he said he was going to do something for you and me, and I know he's going to do it, so that impacts my life right now, because now I have this hope that it's true, Yeah, that's what 1 Peter says, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to what? To a living hope. Through what? The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. See, Jesus resurrected, and so now I know he promised he's going to come get me. And he's with me now. And so my whole life, it's, it, it, it's, it's really not really about the climb the moral ladder stuff, it's about the, are you waiting for Jesus because this truth has impacted me? Look at Titus. We are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. That's what you're doing this morning. I've come and I've come around the cross and life is a life of hope, life by promise because we don't see now. We live by trusting this killer important event that really happened and I've accepted the facts, you know. And this third thing that Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious resurrection. We know that there's this future glorious resurrection coming. I'll see my dad again. I'll see my grandma. <laughs> We'll be together with Christ, right? Here's, again, the Philippians, and it says this, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform, he hasn't yet, he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. His power will work on you to change you to something that never sins again. That's in Him forever. You don't have it now, sinner. You're gonna have it. This is amazing. He's God and He died for you in- If we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. I die, you know, and I have come into his death, even as we take communion and we talk about that or baptism and we go into the death with Christ and we come up in life, we're saying, I'm with him. And so I'm going to have a life with him too. This is your Will you take it today? Will you take it home? Will you take it with you? Will you say, yes, I received this, this fact, and it's a fact, and I will hide it in my heart that it's true, that Jesus died. He really died. Stinky dead, dead. Cessation of bodily function, dead. Buried, dead. And then he really He rose from the grave because death could not hold him, and he is God. And what that means in simple terms that you can really chew on and treasure in your heart is that God died for you. And you can quibble with me and say it's impossible for God to die. I know, but Jesus is fully God and he really died. And the depth of that amazing, amazing, amazing statement is that he became sin so that you would become the righteousness of God. And this is our hope forever. And we just receive it and our lives are changed because of the hope you can have today. Receive it, would you? And rejoice with me. And would you say this one more time with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's pray.